Welcome to Go Legal Yourself podcast, episode 43, title, Money and Where to Find It. Welcome to the Go Legal Yourself podcast. This show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business. I'm your host, Attorney Kelly Bagler, the Queen of Business Law. You can interact with us on social media with Go Legal Yourself. And please do find us on the web at golegalyourself.com. So knowledge is power. And at Go Legal Yourself, we pride ourselves on bringing you knowledge from the best experts in the industry who know business inside out. So get ready for a life-changing show as we empower all business owners and entrepreneurs to dare to become successful. Today is that show where we interview experts in business who can help you become a successful business owner. Today, I'm joined by Dr. John Sanders. He is a inventor, an investor, and he's also the author of Parables for Entrepreneurs. Welcome, John. Well, thank you, Kelly. Good to be here with the Queen. Well, thank you very much. I have to say, too, you you do have a tad bit of the cold, but you certainly sound very sexy on air. Oh, thank you. <laughs> do I look sexy also? Absolutely. All right, good. Absolutely. That's more important. It is, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, John, you and I have known each other, it feels like, forever, but it's been probably about three years now. Exactly three years. We've been in, I've been in Carlsbad for three years. Yes, yes. And I joined the Chamber of Commerce my first week or so here and went to the first Friday breakfast, and I think you were the mod- the, the table, uh, table coordinator. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah. You got lucky. I was. <laughs> I've been lucky since then. I've had two other table facilitators that I've done business with. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's, a, that's been a good, good uh, marketing tool for me. It has, it has. When I first started out, I thought about, well, where do I want to create a presence? And I thought, I really like Carlsbad. By the way, Carlsbad is such a beautiful place to live, isn't it? Were you at the mayor's uh, presentation last week, State of the City? No, no, I wasn't. And then I heard him. He came to our uh, retirement community where I live again, and he's coming again on Monday. So I've heard him three times in the last couple of weeks. This city is phenomenal. You know, they already have the money for the new city hall in the bank. Wow. And they're going to build it in two years. Wow. <laughs> has no, the city has no debt. Right. They don't buy anything on time. They pay cash for everything. This is the ultimate place. It truly is. It's, it's it a doesn't piece belong of in California. Right. <laughs> that was going to be my next comment. Exactly. <laughs> if it wasn't for the weather here, you know, I think California would be pretty empty. Yes. <laughs> Talking about California, it does really make... It makes it hard. The laws on the books here in California makes it very hard for business owners to conduct a very successful business. Before we go into your background, John, and I'm really, really excited to actually have you on the show because I've been telling my audience, I've been telling my audience about we were going to have an investor on the show. I was going to interview an investor. Mm -hmm. And 
If people can go back and listen to episodes 34 through 38, it's a four part on money and where to find it. And that's when I sort of, I give them a little bit of an overview. And that's when I really mentioned we are going to have a surprise guest, a uh, well experienced investor that has such a broad um, experience with different types of businesses too. I'm really excited to to start um, asking you some questions. But before we do, do you have an attorney joke you can share with us on air? Attorneys are not funny. So I don't have any attorney jokes. <laughs> but, I avoid attorneys with the, like the plague. <laughs> Except you are a business person that I like. There you go. There you go. Oh, you did do my wills. It yes, did a good yeah. job. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ad- attorneys can be a different breed altogether. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got to where you are. I grew up in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, went to engineering school at the University of Louisville. <clears throat> After uh, g- graduating... I worked for General Electric for a year, most of it in upstate New York in Schenectady, which was then the, the hub. Now it's deserted. But I learned two things when I was there. Number one, I didn't want to be an engineer in a big company all my life. And number two, sure as hell not in upstate New York. Right. <laughs> and so I went to graduate school then in uh, Pittsburgh and fortunately got uh, hit them at the right time because at Carnegie, ne- Carnegie Tech then, um, <clears throat> the head of the department told me his, his department was full of Carnegie Tech gra- undergraduates. He said, we've got to broaden out. So I've made a pledge to get more non-Carnegie Tech people here, and especially those with industry experience. So that one year in, in with General Electric paid off. So they financed my whole graduate education, which was good. I taught for two years. Nice. Taught electrical engineering for civil engineers at night. Right. Which is the ultimate burden on a civil engineering student. And, uh, of course, I was getting bombed the first year because my math was not, I was not prepared for their more research-type math. So as I was finishing up my degree, I said, you know, I really don't want to teach. I had PhD. I didn't want to teach, and I didn't want to do research. I wanted to be out with the with the proletariat. And fortunately, one of the guys I lived with came home one night to our beefaroni dinner, and uh, said he just met the most unusual man. He was looking at the getting on interviews. He was ahead of me, looking at interviews at different companies coming. And he sits talking to the man next to him. Had a striped coat on. Turns out this man was from the Central Intelligence Agency. And they were beginning to open up, starting a new division, looking for technical people to join with some old agency people and old industry people to go out into industry and find new technologies to bring into the agency. I said, man, that's what I want to do. So I sent a letter to a director of personnel in the Central Intelligence Agency and got a call a couple weeks later and went down and interviewed and said, I remember after the interview, went downtown, it was in November of 60... and uh, stood on the Washington Monument with those flags waving, breeze blowing. Look over here, and there's the Lincoln Memorial, and there's the Capitol, and there's the Jefferson Memorial, and there's the White House. And I said, where the hell else does a young guy want to be? Right, right. right. Was that the first time you ever saw our nation's capital? No, no, I'd been there as a a kid. And um, so anyway, I took the job. 
I would have. They could have. I would have done it for nothing. <laughs> Don't tell them. No, I, I, <laughs> but I got a good salary. Got a good position. So I was with them for five years, mm-hmm. and loved every minute of it. But again, not for thirty. Right. So I had a lot of great experience. Met a lot of people. But I learned one thing <clears throat> that really affected me, and that was the new solutions were coming out of entrepreneurs. See, technology entrepreneurs, for all intents and purposes, didn't exist before the 1950s. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Alexander Bell and those guys, they were, they were in a big organization. <clears throat> so entrepreneurs, the reason is that to do technical work, you've got to have computing power. Mm-hmm. The computing power drives technology. If you don't have the latest in computers, you can't compete. So it was in the 50s that they began service bureaus, which were places you could bring your big racks of cards, IBM cards, and have the computer generate what you need done. And by the 60s, the micro, the mini computer was coming out. So you had several brands of mini computers running about $40,000, which was a lot of money 50 years ago. Right. But still, it was it was obtainable by small technology companies. And, of course, by the time the PC came in in the early 80s, the cost really came down in computing power. Now, the individual with the Internet and the, his Mac PowerBook or PC can do what it took a team of 100 people to do 50 years ago. Isn't that amazing? It really is amazing. You know, when I was in the agency, we bought random access memory, which is the core memory, 37 cents a bit which meant a 10K memory was $3,700. Good Lord. For now, for $12, you get five <laughs> gigabytes. So it's in my professional career, it is out, unbelievable what has happened. Yes. And it's driven by, it's driven by the techno, technological advances, and which is, of course, driven by the demand. So the demand is for ever smaller, ever more, more memory, cheaper price, Faster, right? It's more, faster, cheap. I mean, that's that's life. <clears throat> and uh, so, anyway, I left the agency after five years because I'd met up with a man that had a small brokerage firm, and he loved technology companies. Well, so, thank you so much for being here, though, John. Oh, even I love it. even with your sexy cold. I, I got news for you. you. Call me, babe. I'm here anytime. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, I joined him. And we did small deals. We did initial public offerings. We did private placements. And uh, I had a stage of customers. A lot of them were old agency guys that knew they could talk to me and not feel threatened. Right. So, uh, but again, uh, my my tenet was to go after small technologies companies, mostly local, not exclusively. So over the next 20 years, when I was in that business, I used my customer accounts. We made money. I did not take all their money. I said, here's my portfolio. If you don't like this, go away. If you like this, yours is going to look like this in six months. And I said, because we don't have a big research, we find good companies with good people that are well-financed, and we try to invest in them. So uh, we had our series of successes. We probably did 75 deals, mostly off the ground. And you I'll talk in a minute about where you find this money. Yes. So, uh, but I had, because my customers made money in their accounts, when we got to do a fifty dollars or $75,000 deal, have 10 or 15 people at 5000 the money was in their accounts. So I'll call them up and say, do you want to take this out and invest? Yeah. What the hell? It's not an investment. It's an expenditure. Exactly. Right? So in most small companies, they're not really investors. 
investments, they're expenditures. And I class, I, I describe this class of people as hobby investors. Yes. They're not angels. It's their hobby to invest. That's mine. Mine is a hobby. And uh, so anyway, I did it for 20 years. Then a, a deal came along called Washington Technology. It's actually the name of the company. I forgot the name of the company. We changed it. But anyway, it was um, it was a fledgling newspaper on the tech business around the nation's capital. So I made an investment in it and then became the chairman of the board because they were all messed up. And the lady running it had a very small piece, but I knew her from years past as an editor. So we got her more stock. We eliminated, uh, we bought out a few of the people. We put more new money in. And um, I joined it full time and loved it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we built it up from nothing to 10 years later, we sold it to the Washington Post. Uh, It was a financial double, but it was a prestige home run. Nice. And that was 1996. So I did uh, something then that uh, was usual for a guy that sells out. I had money before, but this kind of enhanced it. And um, I uh, bought some golf clubs. We bought a vacation home in Myrtle Beach, (laughs) which is about as far south you can go on one day from D.C. And I bought a boat. I mean, what more do you do with money? Right. And, of course, my wife and I had already been traveling, but we still travel some more. So, uh, and I moved downtown to the Watergate. Loved it again. God, I've been had a fortunate life. And, um, but I then did merger and acquisition stuff around town because I'd met so many people when we were had the newspaper. So several of them came to me and I helped them sell their companies, which I loved. I love doing that kind of stuff. I do too. M&A work. M&A work is ultimate high. It truly is. Yeah. And it's good pay. (laughs) Because when they're getting a whole bunch of money, they don't care what you make, okay? Right, right, exactly. So, uh, you know, if a guy gets $10 million, he doesn't care if you siphon off a couple hundred thousand dollars. What the hell? Right. So, especially if you earn it. And uh, so I did that for, um, I did that all while I was living at the Watergate, which was about eight years. And then we decided it was too expensive. We'd quit having parties because that drug made your life revolve around parties. We had a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, nonprofits use it to raise money. <clears throat> and so when I decided to leave Washington, I said, where are we going? Well, our kids were in California. Both were single. One, my son in San Francisco, a daughter in L.A. This is a long story. But uh, anyway, so we weren't going to come to California. So during the intervening nine years when we lived in Myrtle Beach, they both got married. They married California spouses. My son moved down here to Carlsbad. He works for TaylorMade Golf. And our daughter's in L.A., and she's married a, a retired military, and they got a big, nice big house in Palos Verdes. Mm-hmm. So we said, what the hell? They're an hour apart. We're going. So right. here we are. I'm so glad you did. So glad you did. You couldn't have picked a more beautiful place to I'm, to park your... But. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's wonderful. Our audience is dying to know, John, dying to know, money. And where to find it? How does a startup find, how does it find money? As an investor, what is it that you look for before you're going to say a certain company is investable? All right, well, let's start with a relatively small entrepreneur by himself or with two or three people. Yes. And uh, look at that because the, the nature of it changes as you get numbers. So if you have numbers, everybody wants to, to extrapolate the numbers. So if you look at the big companies, everything's an extrapolation. Well, they did this over the few years, and this is how it's going. They'll increase the dividend. So everything's an extrapolation. But if you get down and you've got zero, you got a point, how do you extrapolate a point? And the answer is any way you want to. Right. Strictly in the eyes of the beholder. 
So you have to come up with other methods of deciding whether you want to invest, number one. Number two, how to value it. Because the, the number one principle, in my opinion, of a small company is an idea is worth zero. There is no value to an idea because I have 100 a, a day myself. Right. So ideas are cheap. <laughs> it's execution that has the value. That is it. So the other thing to remember is the world is a wash in capital. There is so much money, especially in the United States. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So the first thing to do is, I used to tell people, well, when they come in, all right, first of all, how much are you investing? Uh, so I've got to send my kids to college, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So my sort of response in my mind is, well, if you can't hold on to money, why do I think you can hold on to my money? Exactly. Exactly. So if you don't have any money, you're not used to spending money <laughs> less than you have. Right. It's important. It is. Running a small business, the key is to spend less than you have so that you always have reserve capital. Yes. So, because the best deals come when you're broke. So don't get broke. The um, uh, So anyway, that's the first rule is, well, all right, where do you get money? Well, I don't have any. Well, you've got to go to your relatives because they're the only ones that believe in you. Nobody else believes in you. So, well, I don't want to go to my relatives. I said, well, number one, you don't have a choice. Number two, the key when you're starting is if you really believe in your company and believe in your ability to handle it, is to recognize that you go to people, you're doing them a favor. You're giving them an offer to be a part of something that could go really big. Right. Well, that's the whole thing. And you anyway. don't want to, you do not want to get started and have it become successful and not having them have a chance to get in. Look at it that way. I'm coming to you, not because it's a great investment, but because I think we're going to make it. And I don't want to uh, get started and have it go and you not be a part of it, or at least have a chance to be a part of it. And then you do the same thing with your friends and your neighbor, your next door neighbor. Well, I don't want to approach my next door neighbor. Well, don't go over begging. Go over to give him an opportunity that you don't want to go forward without giving him that opportunity. That's a brilliant way to look at it. Yeah, it's 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 the way. And you know, there's a story in the Bible. I, I throw. I'm in my book. By the way, my book is on my website. <laughs> yes. www.johnsanders.com, okay? And you can exactly. pull it down and you can print it out and you can read it and you can toss it in the trash can or you can live by it. There you go. But I bring in all these different stories and parables to kind of bring out the point of how you do things. So Jesus, when he got got things rolling, he called his disciples and some of the other folks in, around and he said, now listen. I want to send you out to the various towns, and you can preach the gospel. That's what he did, the gospel. And he said, you, tell, you go out and you tell them that you have the keys to the kingdom, and that this is what you need to do. And you go out two by twos to the different towns, and you go into the towns, and you go into the towns on the basis that I have the answers. And if you accept it and bring you into the kingdom, I'll hang around. If you don't, I'm going to move on to the next town because you're the loser, not me. The fact I didn't make the sale, you lost, not me. And then you know what you do? You shake the dust of that town from your feet. I'm sure everybody's heard that. That's where it comes from, right out of the New Testament. So when you're out marketing yourself, you have the answer. You have a belief in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, forget it. Exactly. Forget it. 
and uh, and you believe in the people that you surround yourself with. So this is how you get things started. You get people that believe in you the same way you believe in yourself. Yes. So in one sense, it's kind of like politics. You can't run for po- for an office unless you're selling yourself. So therefore, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people don't like that, but that's the way things get sold. Same thing in starting a business. People won't invest in something where there's confidence. So how do you get confidence in that point? It's the person that's promoting the point. And the answer is, I don't know what that guy's doing, and I don't care, but I like him or her, and she'll be successful, and I want to be a part of it. Or, I don't know whether that guy could really be successful, but I like what he's doing, and I can help if things get rocky. Mm -hmm. So I want to be a part of it on that basis. Mm -hmm. And if you put both of them together, you got a winner for yourself. It'll be fun investing. That's why it's a hobby. I have fun investing in those startups and seeing them progress. And you know the nice thing? With success... The scorecard you take to the bank. Yes. It's the best scorecard in the world. So, okay, now the company gets started. And you start putting numbers into the system. So now you can really go to third parties, which is what we did in our little brokerage firm. We had investors that were the third parties. So the original people, the Aunt Susie's of the world, go with Aunt Susie. She's got money. She'll she'll do anything I want to do. With Aunt Susie and your friends, we wrap that around with third parties that give it some credibility. So those three things go together to allow you to do startup deals. Yes. And if you don't have those three components, it's somewhere between difficult and impossible. Of course, in today's world, you could do crowdfunding. You can get on the Internet and you can raise all kinds of money for stuff. This will go for a while and then it'll die. Because most deals don't make it, even right. though they look good. Right. And the reason is, you know, you can't anticipate the problems. So the future is tough. And you got to be ready for all kinds of winds and waves and, and, uh, and, and being buffeted. And that's the fun part of business is how to accept the challenges. So let's get the company started. So now you get it going and you're up to a certain level where what I call the tipping point. Mm-hmm. And that is where you have enough business coming in to where you have a projected infinite lifetime. Right. Your money coming in is that comes in a is greater than the goes out of. <laughs> rule, rule number one. Rule number one. Get to that point. <laughs> get to that get point. Get to that point, which is why it's very difficult to do a big product. Because you're now rolling out a product that takes a lot of money to build the wall. Yes. So that you keep the other guys out. Right. And then, if you run out of money, we don't have any data. We don't know whether you're a good business person or not. Mm-hmm. So you have to. The beauty about getting started with the services is that, is that you have data points. You have data that you can tell whether this person's a good business person or not. Right. So the next level is to now you begin to get move up the food chain, where you can go after bigger money that are beyond the hobby. Right. And that's the point you really want to get to. But the number one tipping point, is my opinion, is get get the money coming in greater than the money going out. And I can look out and say, you know what? I've got a future. Yes. Yep. That I can believe in, besides just blowing off, okay? So anyway, that's how you do it. And eventually, you're in the mainstream. Now, the problem with the mainstream is to get your product or your service into the mainstream, you have to commoditize it because... If there's no competition, see the worst thing is to have a is to have a monopoly on no business. Big deal. Right. 
I so, think a majority of business owners out there are exactly in that position. They want to they protect themselves. Right. So I used to have another, I have another, uh, I wrote a separate article called Good Fences Do Not Make Good Neighbors. And they all, whatever that poem is, I'm an engineer, not an artist. Right. But the, where the good fences build good neighbors. Good, the, you used to go after patents, get yourself patented, you protect yourself. The problem with that protection is not only do fences keep bad people out, they keep good people good out. Good people out, too. And worse, they keep you in. So, the um, uh, you have to you you have to uh, be out among the people. So you can't spend all your time protecting yourself because generally you're in the position where I have a monopoly, but there's no business. Right. So it's it's even better when you're in come on get something in the mainstream. You got all kinds of of competition because everybody's out there. So now you got to run a good business. I personally love competition. Why? That means that there's a demand for your product. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, exactly. And that's exactly what we're doing with Go Legal Yourself, John. Yeah. Go Legal Yourself sells customized legal packages for startups and companies that are growing. And yes, we absolutely have competition. But to what level? I can sit here confidently and say, go legal yourself products are so superior that you're going to only find them at a law firm. And at a law firm, you know, they're going to rape you three or four times over. Yeah. So, again, I love competition and it means that there is a demand for your product. Well, that's where you want to get to. You want to get to the point where you're competing in the world. Yes. And But you got one other thing. You don't want to just be where you're getting a certain percentage of the pie. You've got to expand your percentage of the pie while you're expanding the pie. Right. That's the ultimate success. The pie is growing and I'm getting a bigger percentage. Then you become Amazon and you own the damn world. Okay? There you go. <laughs> so There you go. So anyway, that's that's the fun of getting to that level where now where now your value is well calculated. You're gonna trade it twelve times earnings, sixteen times earnings, sixty four times earnings. So now you get to where the the, the the valuation is not not as solid, but it gets you in a range mm-hmm. where you are. And raising money is now more standard. Yes. So we all hope to get there, including GoLegalYourself.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. You were smart because you picked up a couple of really good investors. <laughs> I did. Including me. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> Full disclosure. I did. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I know, John, that you often look for fun projects fun projects and they have to be fun for you well i'll start with the 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 again entrepreneurial off the ground with that point if you're not going to have fun with a person forget it because as a hobby when you lose you at least want to have had fun with the hobby there you go if we win you can be a garbage person and win but i don't know at the beginning so you might as well get in where you can have fun and people listen to you yes so you're working as a team so your investors become your best advisors and your best promoters that's exactly it and i i give presentations Um, i travel quite a bit and and i present to business owners and the number one thing that always tell business owners is if they are looking for funding 
Make sure that you don't just look for the money, but look for someone that has the experience to help you grow your business in the right direction. You as an entrepreneur, you don't have answers to all the questions. You probably have got passion, which yes, you know, you need passion to sell yourself. Then you've probably got... um, you know, you, you, you put your idea into practice and it, it's a great product or what have you. But again, you have to surround yourself with people that have done that, been there, who can introduce you to other professionals that can help you become a successful business owner. So don't just look for the money. Look for the person that brings experience to the table. That's what I love about you, John. You've been, a, you've been around the block once or twice. And I love the fact that you bring experience to the table and you truly are one of the the strongest advisors when it comes to business that I know. Well, let me tell you, so you mentioned about advisors and experienced people. I have found that I don't care who the person is. They can be uh, a chairman of a company. They can be just another person. They have experience. They can be ultra busy. They travel. But let me tell you, if they have... $5,000 $5,000 in your company, and you call them, they answer the phone. Exactly. All right? Because this is a big deal to them. Exactly. Absolutely. And they want that five to grow into 500000 for no other reason they can crow to their friends. There you go. That's the scorecard. Do you have any parting words for our audience? Oh, entrepreneurship is the ultimate high. But do something that you believe in. Do it in a way that you can have fun. And one of the keys to having fun in business, I'm kidding you, not kidding you, reserve capital. Yes. Now, the thing I don't like about SBA loans and those types of things is you get a business started on a debt and you've just used up all your reserves. There you go. And so when that first crossroads comes, the first fork in the road, and you have to take it, you don't have any capital to pull. You have to go back and now grovel for money and groveling for money it's you're in the wrong fun. you're in the wrong side of the curve exactly so anyway always have reserves get that comes in a dig seed that goes out of get people you enjoy to decide with you that are good and don't be afraid to ask somebody big time because they like being a part of something yes everybody with money is looking for good deals to get into trust me they don't like investing in at&t that was pretty good. Right. And those, they want to get into something or they can be a part of and have fun. Exactly. John, thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom. And I know that the audience is going to get a whole bunch of uh, information and knowledge from what you've just shared with us. And on our show notes, we are going to have all of your information as to how somebody can get a hold of Ab- you. Absolutely. And your website again, one more time johnsanders.com there you go (laughs) i got that in the early 90s there you go and my email is john at johnsanders.com it can't be more easier than that fantastic so audience please feel free to leave us any feedback or comments when you do download our app from your app stores that way you can directly contact me and let me know how the show's going how it has positively affected your business and what tips you're actually implementing in your business as well and when you do download my app you will get a copy an ebook copy of my best-selling book go legal yourself so remember the only way you become successful is if you make today the day you go legal yourself 
I am Attorney Kelly Bagler, the Queen of Business Law, and it has been a pleasure being your host today. Until next time, cheers to your success.